0: Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of flyingfreenow.com and you're listening to the Flying Free podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 131 of the Flying Free podcast. I just want to start by thanking every single one of you who has taken time to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I know it takes some effort to do that, and I don't take that time and effort that you put into that for granted. Here's one. I just wanted to read one that we got recently. Um, This listener says, the Flying Free podcast is fantastic. Natalie is direct, has clear and comical analogies. I like that, and empowers rather than enforces. Her guest speakers are just as engaging and informative. I'm always amazed how much I gain from each podcast, even when the initial episode title does not seem to apply to my situation. I would highly recommend to women of faith in need of healing from intimate relationship abuse. If you are not a woman of faith, there is still a great deal of valuable ideas to discover in this podcast. So thank you. I love that people feel comfortable here and that they can find empowerment from the things we talk about, even if they aren't Christians. And that the topics may be different, but that you can relate to every single one in some way. I am so honored to be able to do this work and to have so many incredible, brave, resilient listeners. Some of you are survivors, And some of you are faithful people helpers. And some of you are both. So here's to you. Today, I'm going to tell you what I would preach to a stadium full of modern day preachers if I had the opportunity to preach to them. Now, first of all, when I imagine this possibility, it's in Pixar. Because of course, this will never happen. But a girl can dream, right? I want to do this and I want to share it with you because what I'm going to say, it matters. It matters because of the role that these men play in the lives of real people all around the world, and it matters because of who they are claiming to be in alignment with, namely the creator of the universe, and what many of them are doing to harm the creator's creation, whether they're doing it by ignorance or by malicious intent. And it should matter to them if they genuinely want to be in alignment with the heart of God for humanity. And it should matter to us if we want to understand the unspeakable damage that has been done to us and to those we love in the name of our God. And if you've been victimized by their religious institutions and systems, then it will matter to you because your experience will be validated and exposed for what it was, purely satanic abuse. So, first, I want to see and understand the average pastor sitting in the stands. I think that most pastors are very likely well-meaning men who believe they are doing the will of God. They want to help people and honor God. I know some amazing pastors, okay? Many of them have experienced being mistreated by people in their church. They and their families have been gossiped about behind their backs. They've been used, taken advantage of at times, and some of them many, many times, and they're tired. They sometimes wonder if it's worth it. They feel the pressure of having to live up to everyone else's standards for them, and that's a lot of standards. They feel like they have to be perfect or they get criticized. It's emotionally exhausting. They don't have time to learn anything new because they're just trying to keep their heads above water, putting out all the fires in their congregation. If a couple comes to them and it's complicated, this pastor is going to do his best, but will fail miserably because he doesn't know and he has no time to learn. Now, others are looking for power or popularity. They want to be the one that people put on a pedestal. It gives them satisfaction to feel the adulation of a crowd of admirers, especially female ones. They like to control boards and groups. They like to be the one that people come to for permission. They like to be the arbiter gives them a sense of power and control, and they use the name of God in order to become great. But in reality, they are insecure, small, weaselly men on the inside. But they know most people will never see the truth about who they are, not behind their good looks and charisma. If a couple comes to this kind of pastor, he will likely not have time for them at all and will pawn them off on a volunteer who is ignorant and possibly similar in nature to his leader. And then there are still others who are just pure evil. They exploit women and children sexually. They are predators. They are snakes. They will purposely isolate and then cut the hearts out of their congregants when given opportunity. So let's go back to my Pixar movie where I get to preach to, let's say... um, Maybe 100,000 preachers in the Michigan Stadium. That's one of the largest stadiums in the world. And that's it, the, it holds about 107,000 people. Okay. So I'm in Michigan Stadium. There's over 100,000 preachers in my movie. I would guess that there are a few hundred pure evil men in that audience. Can you picture them in Pixar? And I'm not going to preach to them. That would be like preaching to the devil, an exercise in futility. Not interested. They don't interest me. So in my Pixar movie, I would have an airplane swoop in and suck those guys up in a vacuum. And we'd all happily wave goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, so they're gone. What about the charismatic, shyster schmoozer preachers who just love themselves to pieces? Meh, not interested in them either. They're too busy fawning all over themselves to pay any attention to what I have to say. Having a myopic character, they are the proverbial fool in Proverbs, and they are unable to learn anything new. They already know everything. So, since there are more of them than there were in the last group, let's say a big spaceship comes and sucks those guys up. No, wait, two spaceships. I guess there were more than I thought. Okay. Now we're left with the rest. The ones that might actually listen to a woman preaching. You know, the way Jesus listened to women. The way the disciples listened to women after they'd been hanging out with their role model, Jesus, for a couple of years. The way Paul listened to women. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, read your Bible, people, because it's right there if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. So, Here we go. Pixar me goes up to a microphone in the middle of the stadium, and here's what I say to this group of thousands of male preachers. Dear pastors, what is your ultimate mission here on earth? What is your calling? What do you want your legacy to be when you are gone? Is it, he had a big church? He single-handedly kept marriages together He fixed everyone who came to him. He made obedient people. He controlled his family. He seemed holy. He read a lot of books and had a lot of knowledge. He was a great preacher, very articulate. He had a mighty faith. He sure knew how to sacrifice. He was a generous man. If you are shooting for any of those things, here's what will happen. First of all, you'll never measure up. Your church will never be big enough. You'll never fix everyone or keep all the people in line or control all the members of your family or be holy enough. You'll never know everything and have no doubts or preach home-run sermons 100% of the time or sacrifice enough or give enough. So, that will leave you feeling defeated and weary and shamed. And when you feel defeated and weary and shamed, you will project that on the people in your church and you'll create an environment of perfectionism, defeat, spiritual exhaustion, and shame. It's a vicious cycle. What if your purpose and calling was a lot easier to accomplish? I mean, you're all familiar with Jesus' words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that sound lovely? Jesus didn't call you to control everyone, including your own wife and kids. He called you to love as he loved to accept others where they are, to let people go if they wanted to go, and to welcome them home if they wanted to come home. He told lots of stories to get this through to our heads. So why do we insist that it's more complicated than that? What if you could just let people be who they are and make their own decisions before God? Do you think that you're supposed to be God's bully stick created to keep the rebels in line? Did Jesus do that? When you make your calling about you, you make it about control, because then your reputation is based on whether or not you are keeping all of the people that you believe you are leading in alignment with whatever your version of God and truth is. And speaking of versions, there are thousands of you out there, and you all have a different one. Even those of you who came with your pastor buddy, different versions, admit it. You won't agree on every single point of everything that every every single church issue with anyone in this stadium. I wonder which one of you is perfectly right. Raise your hand if you're the one. See? Nobody's raising their hand here because all those guys got sucked up by the spaceship. What if all that was on your headstone was this? He loved. He listened. He wept with those who wept. He rejoiced with those who rejoiced. He never turned anyone away, but some walked away of their own free will, and he let them. He never forced anyone to do anything. He never told them God wanted them to do something specific. He trusted that the Holy Spirit could do his job all by himself. Thank you very much. Your job is simple. Love never fails. Now, I want to talk about what is happening to the women and the children in your churches right under your noses, and then we'll look at some possible approaches to the problem that align with the law of love instead of the law of your particular denomination. This is important because if you ignore these people, you're ignoring the God you say you are serving. So, let's say a woman comes to you and says that her husband is mistreating her and has been, for their whole marriage. Help, she says. What does love do? Love listens. It doesn't dishonor her or get angry. It's kind and protective. Now, if you're mistreating your wife, you're going to mistreat this woman as well. You will project your thoughts and feelings about your own marriage onto what this woman is telling you, and things will get messy. In other words, if you're not like Jesus in your marriage, what in God's name are you doing leading a church? You're a fraud. Another spaceship is coming to suck up the frauds now. Your job isn't to control your wife or your kids and your parishioners. You've got one person and one person only to control. Do you know who that is? It's you. Do that and the rest will clean itself up. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. I've also created a companion workbook for Is It Me?, also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of the companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are gonna help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now, let's get back to our episode. Okay, let's say the husband comes in now to defend himself and he says, no, 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 she's got the story wrong. She's mistreating me. (gasps) Oh no, who's telling the truth? Do you know that it's not your place to decide that? And it's not your place to fix their problems? Did you know that? Survivors, I'm talking to you now. It's not your pastor's job to fix your marriage or to fix your husband, or to fix you for that matter. If you look to a car mechanic to do brain surgery, you're going to end up with a lobotomy. You want that? Survivors, it is your job to fix not your marriage— not your husband, to fix your own life. You are responsible only for one person too, and that's you. Now hear me out on this. I am not saying that a church shouldn't help victims, okay? They should absolutely help victims. They should help them get out if the victim says they want help to get out. The church should help them get therapy if the victim says, I would like some therapy, The church should help them with their physical needs, if that victim has physical needs, and possibly even legal help, depending on the situation and what's going on. The church should listen and believe her and act in her best interest. But what should the church do with the abuser? Should the church try to reform him, control him, change him? No, 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 no. That's not the church's job. The church, remember, is not the Holy Spirit. That guy gets to do and be exactly who he wants to be. He's an adult. Now, if he asks for help the way the woman is asking for help, well, then the church can certainly help him with him and his personal life. But most of the time, the man, and and even the survivor, will ask the pastor or the church to change their spouse because they think that if their spouse changes, then everything will be all good and everyone can go on their happy little merry way. But you know what? That is dangerous water right there. If the spouse is not asking for help for himself, should the church be manipulating him to change so that he can somehow transform into this amazeballs husband? Does that, does manipulation create genuine lasting change? If we, if we give someone just enough hoops to go through, yeah, they might go through the hoops if we threaten them, but do people change when they're threatened? People change their behaviors, their outward behaviors to avoid pain, but they don't fundamentally change. That's not the the motivation for change. Okay. What about the victim? The church should not become that woman's new authority figure unless the church wants to be parenting a bunch of children in adult bodies instead of helping to raise up autonomous adults who have agency and choice into the fullness of who God created them to be. Here's the problem, though. If the pastor or the church has a belief that women are underlings who merely exist as servants or sex objects or housekeepers or childcare workers, and that they must be taught to obey their authority figures, then they're going to treat women that way. And many women who have been programmed from childhood to buy into that thinking because it's been spiritualized or spun in a spiritual way. They will actually voluntarily and even happily remain under that kind of oppression, and they will never grow up to be the adult woman that God created them to be. I have a hunch that a lot of pastors and churches kind of like the idea of people being dependent on them, because you can control dependence, and you can't control autonomous adults, because adults get to control themselves. But guess what? If we're doing the work of Jesus, we don't need to control anyone. And survivors, I'm going to talk to you for a second here. Until we learn the skill of managing our own minds and emotions, if we have been programmed to think like children who are under authority figures and need to obey human beings, instead of growing up and looking to God for our instructions and taking responsibility for our own adult choices— then we will continue to remain in a cage with an open door. Now, I know these are hard words, but Jesus isn't like men. He doesn't try to control anyone. He gives all of us, abusers and victims alike, free choice. And he loves you if you are in that cage. And he loves you if you get out. Either way, He is 150% for you. He is on the bathroom floor, and he is on the dance floor. You can't get away from him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Which brings me back to the pastors. I wonder what would happen if you all decided to leave your ego at the door and step into love. You know, like that Jesus you preach? Would you continue to muzzle women and keep them from their God given calling to preach if you were like Jesus? Would you disrespect and dishonor and view women merely as your assistants in your agenda if you were like Jesus? Would you yourself refuse to be an assistant to a woman if you were like Jesus? Would you be afraid of what people might do if you were like Jesus? Would you be so afraid of what God might do if you were like Jesus? Would you support abusers while kicking desperate women who were forced to file for divorce in order to secure peace and safety out of your churches if you were like Jesus? Would you decide who was in and who was out if you were like Jesus? What is your bottom line? That all your beliefs are lined up in a nice, neat row? Or... Faith in a God that you can't comprehend, but that is 100% pure love. When you muzzle, disrespect, dishonor, and mistreat other humans, you are not like Jesus. You are the anti-Jesus in those moments. When you have to control other people because you are either full of yourself or full of fear— Two sides of the same coin, you show that you have no faith in the God you preach. You are faithless in that moment. And when you decide who gets to come to your church and who doesn't, based on your man made rules, you show that you have no wisdom. You are a fool who is wise in his own eyes in that moment. Those of you who want to preach Jesus, be like Jesus. Take a stand, lay down your pride and your rules and your burdens, and drop into love. And the rest of you, go home and pick a different gig because we see you now, and this gig is up. And that, my friends, is what I would say to a hundred thousand preachers, after which time I would probably be stoned to death. So I'm glad this is just in Pixar. I know I'm not talking to a bunch of preachers. I'm talking to a bunch of survivors and people helpers, but what I want you to see is your opportunity to be different and to make a change. Maybe the religious institutions of our day will never change. I kind of think that they are self-imploding right now and that they will eventually die away, as I believe they should. Jesus didn't come to set up another world religion. People did that and used him like a mascot in their quest for power. Maybe God is doing a new thing. Maybe he is making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. If you would like to deprogram from abusive religion, why not join us in that work inside the Flying Free Sisterhood program? It's just one of the many things that we deconstruct so that we can then build on a stable foundation that is pure love the way Jesus meant it to be. You can learn more at joinflyingfree.com. That's all I have for you for today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, fly free.